0: Hello and welcome to Sounding Out Horsham. I'm Anna and I'm Emma. An important question, Emma, to kick off this episode. What have you been watching on TV recently?
1: (laughs) Uh, That is an important question and actually it's an easy one for me to answer because like lots of people I've watched a lot of TV this last year um, when there's not been a lot else to do the main thing I watched was a lot of comedy probably to lighten the mood so I watched some American shows like Shit's Creek and Superstore on Netflix um, I like the fact they were sort of 20 minutes long and yeah. just um, uh, were quite palatable and then I also watched some British comedies like Ghosts uh, Motherland and Stathlet's Flats and then like everyone else I think I watched Tiger King Normal People uh, The Queen's Gambit Ozark and Oh, The Crown Oh yeah, Those are just some of the highlights. Like I said, I watched a lot of TV. What did you watch? Did you watch any of those?
0: It's funny, I actually haven't watched any of the ones you mentioned, apart from The Crown, that I absolutely loved. I wish that I had watched more TV, because there are so many high-quality series out there. But during lockdown, and especially when I was homeschooling, I spent the evenings catching up on work. But I have watched a few things, though. Chernobyl, that was brilliant and Killing Eve, I love it. Mm -hmm. Lots of David Attenborough with the kids and of course The Crown, which is a Mm -hmm. fascinating watch for people who, like me, are not from the UK. I feel I've learned so much about this country through The Crown. But we're not going to fill this episode with all the TV we have watched this past year. Instead, we're going to speak with someone who has been in several of these shows.
1: Yes, Horsham local Gary Clark is an extra. And he's appeared in hundreds of TV shows and films over the last 15 years, including, as we've mentioned, The Crown, uh, Downton Abbey, EastEnders, Paddington One. He's in the zombie film World War Z with Brad Pitt, lucky him, and in the war drama Darkest Hour. Like many extras, Gary has another career. He's also an electrician much of Gary's work is in Horsham so if you've had your home rewired or had some plug sockets installed over the last few years you might well know him already.
0: And in fact that's how I met Gary he was doing electrical work in our house during our kitchen renovation last year and then one day he he couldn't make it and our builder said oh but you know he's an extra so sometimes he's off filming and I got so curious to hear more about what it's like to be involved in these big productions. And here we are. Welcome to Sounding Out Autumn, Gary.
2: Thank you very much.
0: So you are an electrician by trade.
2: Yes, that's right.
0: Do you want to tell us how, how did it all start? How did you become an extra?
2: Yes, well, I've been I started my apprenticeship right back in 1972. So I've been an electrician for an awful long time now. And uh, much as I enjoy mostly enjoy electrical work, you do kind of think about wouldn't it be nice to do something different? And I have always had a fascination in how they put films together. And so when I was working at Chartwell House, um, well, nearly 20 years ago now, and Albert Finney, Ronnie Barker were there. It's sort of like opening a magician's box and seeing all these magic tricks and how they're done, you know, and seeing all the takes and how they alter all the background and the different voices people put on. I just find it a magical experience.
0: So just to clarify, you were working as an electrician at Chartwell House. Yes, indeed. And you happened to be on set of the film about Winston Churchill, The Gathering Storm, starring Albert Finney.
2: Yes, that's right.
0: And Chartwell was, of course, once the home of Winston Churchill.
2: Yes, I kept sneaking over to watch them. Vanessa Redgrave was Winston Churchill's wife, and watched them doing scenes and talking to some of the crew and seeing the enormous amount of people that, that don't get in front of the camera. I just found it mesmerizing, really. It wasn't a film, it was made for television, but it was a big production. Um, and I was rewiring one of the gardeners' cottages on the estate. But I kept going over there and watching and asking questions, how to get into it. And, um, and even I even dropped a letter off at the production office saying, you know, I'm an electrician. Can I have a job on this sort of thing?
1: So you, you wanted to work, do electrical work initially on, on sets. Is that what you, you kind of wanted to work?
2: Yes, yes.
1: So how did you end up then becoming an extra? Because so, that's very different, isn't it? from? Um...
2: Yes, indeed, yes. Well, I um I found it, it was very difficult to get in, especially... um. And you get a bit older. And the only, only response I got was um, a lighting company saying, uh, Yes, we give you a job as an apprentice on minimum wage. And so that was really no good to me because I have too many expenses to that. And so I thought, well, maybe if I could get in as an extra, maybe I could get to know some lighting people and sort of talk to them that way. But in actual fact, the more I watch the um, electricians working, it's really a young man's job. It's, it's hard work. They have, the, they have these huge generators and huge leads and massive lamps and cranes and things. And they get there before anybody else, set everything up and leave before everybody else. It's extremely long days. And I thought, actually, it's a lot easier being an extra. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I sort of settled. Um, we have um, no responsibility, you know, just do what you're told. And when you go home, there's, you know, job done for us. There's no paperwork or responsibility. Nobody's going to ring you up and say it doesn't work like I do with electrical things, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So
1: how did you register to become an extra then? Did you ha- or do you have to register? How does it work?
2: There's loads of background agencies, but there's a site that anybody can join on the internet called Star Now. You put up some pictures of yourself and some video clips if you want and various, on the whole, smaller production companies. Look at that. And um, if you subscribe to it, you can get on with it for free. But if you subscribe to it, then they will contact you if you're lucky. And uh, students use it a lot for their projects when they finish um, drama schools. They have to make a short film. So they use uh-huh. Start Now. and They can often get oh, yeah. people to work for nothing, which they did me to start with, mostly making um, short horror films. Oh. <laughs> okay. that's why i did a student film some years ago and i was going to be a zombie and they looked at me and said oh that's good you don't need any makeup <laughs> i didn't do too many more of those <laughs> after i've been on Star now for a while i found out about the more serious background agencies and um, i gradually joined them sort of one at a time and then you tend to get them more Serious television and film productions come through, do they? They ring you up and say, you know, are you available for this or that? And if you say yes, then they put you forward, sometimes with a lot of other people as well. And um, if you're lucky, you get chosen. Or well, sometimes it's a big crowd, you know, they want as many people as they can. The trouble is these days, there are hundreds of thousands of people doing it, and it's sometimes a bit harder to get, get the work. I, I couldn't get enough income on this to do it full time. Still have to have um, you know, another job, as most people do.
0: But you still seem to be doing well as an extra. The list of productions you've been in is very long. I mean, yeah. how much of your working time is being an extra and how much being an electrician? How do you combine those two roles?
2: It does vary enormously. I mean, it's a it's very slow start to this year and I had a couple of months with um, almost nothing. But and then another day you might get you know, three or four days in one week. I've had two days work this week so far on this World War Two production.
0: Do you know which one that is already? Can you say...
2: Um, I, um, I'm not supposed to talk about it yet. That's okay. We won't press you. But it's a big production.
1: I mean, it'd be great. Can you tell us a bit about some of the productions
0: that you have been in so far? By me, for instance, I absolutely loved watching The Crown. Oh, yes. And uh, I know that you were on several episodes of The Crown, right?
2: Yes, that's right.
0: Please give us an interview <laughs>
2: <one. laughs> Oh, well, that's... Um, I mean, that's a big, big budget production. They, they yeah. should sort of throw money at it. Last year, I was there when um, Charles and Diana were touring Australia. That was filmed in London.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yes, that's the latest season, season four. Which, that's right. Which focuses mainly on the relationship between Charles and Diana.
2: One time they did a speech and um, Diana sort of sniggered at something Charles said and embarrassed him. And they had a big argument about that on the way home. And and that was um there must have been 200 people there, all dressed up in DJs and these rows and rows of table with expensive canopies on and flowers. Most of it wasn't even seen on television.
1: So you were one of those um, party guys go- Yes, yeah.
2: one of the guests. And then another similar scene where they, they did a—they were still lovey-dovey at that stage and they, they did this dance together and we'd like to get up and applaud. And I, I was thinking, you know, Charles was not really a very good dancer. But then I managed to find the original YouTube of the real Charles and Diana and it, it's a complete replication of what they did. Really? Brilliant and clever, yes. But probably the most fun one was... Um, more recently mm-hmm. very close to home in copthorne where they used a hotel there as the um supposed to be in bermuda and i'm sure you know copthorne isn't very much like bermuda but, it is, <laughs> 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 but it, they, they got a, a round big round conference room at hotel there and it is the commonwealth conference it's still an australian delegate but I happened to be sitting just um a couple of people away um julian Anderson playing margaret uh-huh. thatcher and wow. uh, well she was um I thought she'd played a fabulous Mrs Thatcher. I was very impressed.
0: Do you get to interact with these famous stars? Do you talk to them? And uh, um, how close do you get to them, really? Do
2: generally speaking, them? the rule is, um, like with royalty, you only let them start the conversation. And so you're not supposed to go up and start talking to them, generally.
0: Is that an unwritten rule? Or do you have to actually sign papers not to approach them?
2: Very often the ADs will tell you, Particularly on James Bond, they said, "Please don't approach Daniel Craig. You know he's a very busy man and he's got lines to remember and all this." And but certainly, it's a rule: never get a selfie or an autograph or anything like that. And he just have to be sort of professional.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but the the previous James Bond, uh, what's the name of that Irish actor who played a brilliant James Bond? Pierce Brosnan, uh, is it? Pierce Brosnan, yeah, yeah. I was um, I was waiting, was doing a, some filming at a station in the middle of the night, and I was only about ten feet away from him. And he was my favorite James Bond. I thought some of his stories were a bit silly, but he was such a great actor. And he just came over and said, oh, hi, on am and shook hands with me. Oh. And I was like speechless. <laughs> <laughs> and so I chatted to him. I thought, I can't believe it. I'm chatting to my favorite James Bond. And it's, such enormous strong hand he like crushed my hand without realizing (laughs) Uh,
1: and are you in the the new the james bond film that's coming out this that's supposed to be coming out. no no
2: unfortunately not a couple of days in skyfall because that was mostly filmed in this country Uh, and the more recent couple i think they've been filmed largely abroad and haven't needed so many extras
1: all right so gary you've mentioned quite a few big names already um what i want to know is do you ever get starstruck (laughs)
2: <laughs> but it was amazing to see um see, to Brad Pitt or, but there are many many others But yeah, Brad Pitt was um, was, was really good fun, I'd love to have had a, a bit more of an interaction with him uh, we, we did this film called World War Z where the whole world was being taken over by zombies and um, we were supposed to be in Tel Aviv and the zombies were, like swarming everywhere and, and our aeroplane took off just in time to escape them so we were hugely relieved and Brad Pitt was on the aeroplane Walking up and down the aisle, and there's this scene where um, there's a little tiny dog on the airplane, and it's barking at, at this um, at this little goods lift in the jumbo jet, and 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 the stewardess comes up to see what the dog's barking at, and she opens the door of this um, little lift, and as she opens this door, this damn zombie jumps out of the lift. It's only a, it's only a tiny lift, big enough to take goods up and down, but the zombie is squeezed into the lift jumped out and, and he got hold of the stewardess and pushed her back and they were fighting and, but they landed on my lap <laughs> and, and so I was ordered to, um, to try to push the pair of them off while they were fighting and climb over the backrest and to escape these, these, the zombie and the stewardess, very glamorous girl well um, unfortunately just as I got over to actually the headrest of the back of the, back of the seat the stewardess that time became a zombie and she bit my leg and pulled me back down so I became a zombie too. I <laughs> became a zombie. <laughs> and uh oh it's oh. really good fun to make that. I had to be um I had to be trained especially, um what happens when you turn into a zombie and how you sort of dead and then you start wriggling and moving and <laughs> oh. <laughs> But uh, unfortunately um they um they didn't put it in the film.
1: Oh no, but at least you got up close to Brad Pitt.
2: Yeah. I kept trying to attract his attention but no but yeah, they've been um Lots of uh, people, I, I can't even think of them all, I mean...
0: You had a chat with Tom Cruise as well, didn't you, and Emily Blunt?
2: Yes, that's right. And uh, Edge of Tomorrow, they'd finished the film and they were doing reshoots. And um, I thought I'd lost out to get in that film, but they called me in to be a, a big American general in Whitehall, which is actually Leavesden Studios. And um, I had to um, come out of a lift, which wasn't even a real lift, but it looked like it and um, have my nose in the iPad and walk around to one side while Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt were at the other side. Um, well, we rehearsed. Well, in the morning, we rehearsed with two doubles. And I was told to turn right, to come out the lift and turn right. And then when Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise came, on, they changed it all, they decided to be to my right instead of off to my left without telling me. So I come out the lift, nose in the iPad, and walk in and literally bang in for Tom Cruise. And so the director shouts, cut, cut, cut. And he says, the director says to me, it's left now, Gary. I said, Oh, okay. Nobody told me. Sorry. And then Tom Cruise looks at me. Yeah, it's left, Gary. So then Emily Blunt looks at me and says, Left, Gary. And they all got a big, cheesy grins on. And then and he puts his hand on my back and says, Don't worry about it. We'll do it again. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. And he was, um, he is very pleasant. Before I worked with him, I'd heard some negative reports. and I was quite worried that he, he loses his patience quickly. But when I met him and, uh, and again, when well, I met him more briefly in, um, one of the Mission Impossible films. He's been nothing but pleasant. Oh, <laughs> nice guy.
0: And uh, whose head was it you chopped off? You have to tell us about that.
2: Oh yes, yes. That's I don't never know to this day why they chose me. But um, I was at home one day on the computer, and I got a call from um, an agency saying, "Can you get to Dover Castle straight away?" I said, "Okay." It took me about an hour, but yeah, I will get there. I said, "Great, okay." So I went down there, and they greeted me, dressed me up in costume, and then um, gave me an axe. And I said, "So, um." It looks like I'm an executioner. Then yeah, it's, They said, yep, Thomas Moore needs his head cut off and, and you're doing the job. <laughs> and uh, So they, um, they, they took me off to um, to sit with all the uh, proper actors, which is lovely because normally we're putting the big holding areas extras, but I was with all the actors. And um, he was quite delightful about it. He didn't mind the fact that I was going to have to cut his head off at all. <laughs> <laughs> Anton Lesser is a, uh, a, a yeah, fabulous uh, actor and a really nice guy. And I didn't even realise when I was watching The Crown uh, the same actor went on to play Harold Macmillan. Oh
1: yeah.
2: And um he's oh, okay. yeah, quite unrecognisable.
1: And have you you ever I mean you've appeared in so many different things and you've obviously had varying degrees of involvement. Have you ever wanted to train as an actor?
2: Yes, most of us um have, have aspirations of doing more interesting parts. And um eight years ago now, I joined some drama classes, um, in London in the hope that it might sort of catapult my career into being a proper actor. But um, I think it's helped. But it's not exactly um, made me a, a great one actor, but it's interesting.
1: Does it make you more um, appealing as an extra than if you have those qualifications?
2: Yes, I think so. Sometimes when you get a thing from an agency, they say, this will require a bit of dialogue, or this will require some interaction. You know, Have you got any kind of qualifications you can show yeah. us? So I think that helps, yes. And I've also did a, um, a course on screen combat. That uh, was a, a, a long weekend. Uh, I was, unfortunately, the oldest guy there. We, ha- we had to learn to toll fight and, and and fight with clubs and fight just with our bare hands, but all in a way that it would look convincing on camera, but obviously not actually hurt each other. Yeah. Most of the other guys, and girls for that matter, were like half my age, and many of them were martial oh. art experts. So when I was put up, I, I up against one of them, we had to like be angry and shout at each other and they they most of them looked at me and said come on granddad show us what you're made of <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. so it's a bit Aww. depressing really but that helped I, I got in hollow crown because of that I had a big sword fight in hollow oh. crown uh, which is a shakespearean production but it was um when i saw braveheart some years ago and you see these people people in battles rushing off towards each other i thought oh, i'd love to do that but when i got to do it for real I didn't realise how exhausting it was, you know, doing take after take are running up a hill in armoured clothing yeah. and holding a heavy sword. You know.
0: Good exercise. What you have
2: is you're given a buddy on the other side and that's the man you're going to fight with so you know who you're heading for. And of course, this guy was much younger than me. So in the end, I said, for goodness sake, just kill me quickly. I need to lay down, please. <laughs> <laughs> I need to lay down. But it's good fun then.
1: So obviously, it sounds like each scenario is different, but is there a sort of typical day for an extra on set? I mean... Is a lot of it sitting around? What's How does it...
2: Yes, I mean, funny enough, um, just Tuesday, when I was on this World War II production, I, I did my bit a few hours and then a few hours more, and then spent most of the day sitting around, and the guy I was with, the guy now that extra I was talking to, he was all in um, World War II costume, and uh, he did absolutely nothing, and still got paid the same as I would have, so something like 250 pounds for sitting down, reading a book, and eating their food.
1: Is that quite typical?
2: Yeah. When we did Hugo 10 years ago, our typical call there was 200 people. And some days, they didn't use any of us. And uh, it was well-paid days. And it would have paid something like £400,000 a day to have us there. Yeah. And to feed us and to clothe us. Put us through costume and make because we all have to sit there ready to go. And um, completely wasted. But yeah, normally, hopefully, a typical day is you get into costume and you, you have breakfast, lovely fried breakfast generally, and make up if you need it. Get your hair done in the period of um, of whatever it is you're filming. And then you're, um, you know, before long, you'd be called on set. And then you have a lovely dinner and the pudding. And if you're late, they give you something else. So <laughs> That's
0: quite pleasant.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Trouble is quite. Oh, that's right. You yeah, see some lovely. of the, um most big productions have a paramedic there, just in case something goes wrong. And they're nearly always overweight because they 99% (laughs) of the time do nothing except (laughs) wait for an accident and eat (laughs) and and generally the food is lovely (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. i watched this year's extra Ricky Gervais extra uh, is it uh, is that close to your reality
2: tell you the truth i've never watched it but i've mentioned to um, other friends in fact some friends were extras in extras (laughs) <laughs> then, oh, that's um, funny. but they said the, the early series were fairly accurate uh, as the programme went on to later series when he, he gets a bit more of a part it became sort of less accurate then
1: yeah I think that's the only kind of insight isn't it that we, we get And uh...
2: yes I mean um, it, generally because I've been doing it quite a while I get to know a lot of other background artists and it used to be we'd all go to the holding area and uh, we'd all catch up and chat and have a laugh but you know lately with this wretched Covid they separate us much more it's not quite as much fun yeah but things are really picking up now apparently the studios are booked up for nearly 10 years big studios in wow. this country because the americans prefer making films over here hollywood is apparently used for very little these days really? just in tv productions really? yeah
0: sorry did you say 10 years
2: 10 years i yeah that's what i was told recently so this production i'm on now they had to build their own studio for it wow near ellsbury
1: so that, I'm guessing that must be good news for UK-based extras then?
2: Yes, yeah, the whole industry. Every...
1: So you'll be busy for
0: the next 10 years?
1: Do oh, you think, yeah, or... <laughs> yeah that's years. right.
0: You touched upon this earlier about the financial aspect of it. How much do you get paid usually? Can you sort of live on it or how?
2: It does vary enormously. I mean, um, yeah. uh, some can be as little as sort of um, between 70 and 90 pounds a day. And if you get on a big production where it's an early start and, and maybe you have to work late, or maybe you get put under a rain machine or something that gives you a bit of extra money, it can be even to 200 even
0: £300. So a rain machine is extra money if you suffer a bit more.
2: Yes, that's right. That's not very pleasant. I, yeah. I um, When I did His Darkest Hour, it was a fabulous production to be in. But one day, a filmed at Greenwich, when uh, Churchill was supposed to get off the tube early, and then he, he, he gets out of his car and decides to get on the tube, and they put us under a rain machine. And we had to do take after take after take. And oh. That wasn't a great fun day. <laughs> it's rain machines. They're wetter than real rain because you want to see the raindrops. you know. Yes. It's like giant standing under a watering can. <laughs> but um, having said that, I went on to do some fabulous scenes in Starkest hour, and it's one of the most fun films I've been on. Um, I'll tell you about a little bit in Downing Street. I did And Theresa May was the Prime Minister at the time. Yeah. And so they let us use the real Downing Street.
3: Oh,
1: great.
2: And um, I was just a passerby. But... um. One time, they said, "Like as Mister Churchill comes out of Downing Street, I want you to hassle him and ask him what's going on." And I said, "Okay, where are we?" And they said, "It's Dunkirk; is about to happen." And so I, um Churchill gets out, played by the amazing Gary Oldman, and looking exactly like Churchill. It's the weirdest thing. Weirdest thing to see somebody looking like Winston Churchill coming out of Ten Downing Street. It really took you back to nineteen forty. Yeah. How yeah. I imagine it would have been?
1: And this film was
2: his darkest hour.
1: His darkest hour.
2: Yes. Anyway, I had to interact with him, but so I went up and said. I said, Mr. Churchill, Mr. Churchill, what's happened to our boys? How are you going to get them back from France? You know, I've got one of my own sons out there, all this. And he completely ignores me, as he would, and gets in his car and then discreetly gives me uh, a rude sign as he's driving off. (laughs) But then we're doing uh, another scene, still in Downing Street. The director comes out of his little black gazebo and shouts out, Gary, come and have a look at this, Gary. And I looked at him and said, oh, okay. And we started walking off towards a the gazebo. And then he looks at me and said, Not you, Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Oldman, you, Gary Oldman. <laughs> so, but when we went to do the final scene, which is the end of the film, where he does his um, We're Fighting Them on the Beaches speech. That was just an amazing atmosphere. I take my hat off to Gary Oldman. He really got the atmosphere up. And get them, boys, you know, amazing scene. And uh, though there were 450 people there, Normally, big crowd schools are not, not fun, but that one was exceptional. It was really good.
1: I just, I'm curious to know, I know you, you filmed on lots of different sets in lots of different locations. Have you ever filmed anywhere in Horsham or close to town?
2: Um, no, there has been filming in, in Horsham. I, some friends told me they are doing an advert in West Street some years ago, but I, I unfortunately I wasn't involved in it. Um, Lingfield Racecourse, I did some f- filming there, and it's all okay. Copthorne on for the Crown, but, um... I haven't done anything in Horsham, no. No, it'd be nice to. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be nice to.
0: Do you ever get reactions from friends and family or even people that don't really know you that have actually spotted you on TV or in films?
2: Um, well, yeah, I, was, um, I don't know to this day whether she mistook me for somebody else, but I was just coming to the, at the railway station one time and a girl stopped me and said, I know you, I've seen you on television or a film, haven't I? <laughs> and uh, I said well you must be very very observant if you have yeah. but sometimes when you're on and do a television program they tend to get a bit closer to you like when I was an alcoholic in called the midwife for a moment my face filled the screen so I got all sorts of rude text about that saying no, you must stop drinking Gary, <laughs> 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 you're uh. drinking,
3: Gary.
2: and um you know, EastEnders when I was a paramedic in EastEnders uh, running off to say this guy just been shot i think a few people spotted me on that
0: and i remember actually coming back to to how we got to know you our builder he said that yeah every now and then you see him on tv yeah yeah yeah. So, and you so. said something about your your wife or your partner as well didn't you Howard? oh
2: that's right yes we saw him through netflix or something and i say oh i'm in this one i'm in that one and she says well we don't want to watch those then do we <laughs> and when, in fact when i um started doing this first film i did was amazing grace about abolition of slavery and uh i, took, I dragged my other half off to, it wasn't her type of film really but i dragged my other half off to cinema and said look my bit's coming up my bit's coming up i should be there i should be there you know and somebody sitting next to me and said oh please shut up will you <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> nowadays Sometimes uh, I don't even bother watching it if it's not my type of program.
1: Yeah. Do you get disappointed if the scene has been cut that you were in?
2: Yes, sometimes you're absolutely convinced this scene is going to be vital to the film, you know, and they cut it out, even in Edge of Tomorrow. We film that over and over again until the director and Tom Cruise is happy with it. And in the end, you just see me disappearing off in the distance. You wouldn't even know it's me. But yeah, so it's frustrating when you're looking forward to seeing it and, and you found it's been whittled down to nothing. I had a friend that got a line in a film. He, he said he couldn't wait to see himself speaking. But they, in post-production, they didn't like his voice, so they, they substituted his dubbed it for somebody else's voice. That so wasn't actually his voice on the line. He was going to have his 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs>
0: so what would you... I mean, we can tell that you really, really enjoy it, but if somebody's interested in becoming your extra, how? what are your thoughts on that? Would you recommend it? Well, I
2: would, but yes, I think um, most... Friends I, I chat to agree that you've got to have a, um, a love and interest in the business. You've got to have a lot of patience. I mean, my other half has come with me on a few occasions to do the odd film. And um, if it's perhaps not a well-paid film or she's waiting around too much, she'll say, oh, how do you do this sort of thing? It's so boring. And most people that go in it just for the money don't stay in it for that long because um, sometimes you have to stay out in the on a cold day, like when I did um Christopher Robin and I was on a freezing cold beach in a pair of knitted swimming costumes oh, yeah. and sitting on a deck chair pretending it's lovely and warm and then there's freezing cold stony beach in Dover <laughs> or the opposite can happen I've been in a really hot studio before and, and we have to pretend it's winter and wear coats and scarves and I've been on sets where people have fainted because they've been oh, so hot
3: uh, yeah. so
2: it's not always uh, a bundle of laughs but I haven't said that most of my friends you know you say god this is awful and then you come back for yeah, more the next yeah. week.
1: You get bitten by the man.
2: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah.
1: So how many productions do you think you've been involved in over the years? Do you know?
2: Oh, I don't know. Maybe 500 or more. I don't know. Oh, wow. Um, thing is, doing little bit parts like us extras do, we often get in to seek more actors and more directors than professional actors would. You know, I've seen mm. professional actors that work on a stage doing an amazing job. But not getting much pay and get the odd little bit on a television series or whatever. And they're infinitely more professional than people like me. And if I said I have worked under people like Martin Scorsese, even a professional actor would say, Wow, that was that what's that like? Yeah. Because they never get a chance to do that, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: It's quite a funny. <laughs> yeah, funny. it's just funny upside down world, it really is.
1: It's so interesting though. It's been it's it's really good to speak to you, Gary, and, and hear all about Life as an extra, I think. um, It sounds a lot more interesting than I thought. I thought it would just be a lot of, uh, you know, obviously it is a lot of sitting around. But um, the fact that you've met so many fantastic actors and got to be in those productions is is pretty impressive.
2: Yes. When I I first started, 20 years ago, when I first saw that Churchill production being made. And since then, I've worked on a couple of productions involving Churchill. And I've got a fascination for that. I don't think he's an absolute hero he had his flaws, but I think he's an incredibly fascinating character. And that is one person if I could go back in history I'd love to have met. Yeah. So right. for me to work with um
0: different versions of you know, Churchill.
2: Yeah, it was just an amazing experience, yeah. To see him walking out of Ten Downing Street. And I, I remember looking round up towards Whitehall and there's a big gates there. And people like l- trying to look through the gates and over the, each other's shoulders to see what's going on. And there I was in the midst of it all. Yeah. Uh, some people, that wouldn't mean the thing. But to me, it was a big thrill.
1: <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah, pretty impressive to go to Downing Street, isn't it, I think?
2: Yes, and the House of Commons, to say, when we did um, Suffragettes. We were the only film unit allowed in, in the House of Commons uh, since World War Two, And to get these places where only the privilege normally go, yeah, it was um, incredible. And then they, they re-enacted the, the big protest that the women had in 1913. They all campaigned to, to get the vote. And they were initially denied. And and we were filmed on the very same spot. It was filmed in 1913, oh, wow. and and um, Lloyd George had to tell them, you know, we we've considered your case and we decided not to do anything. And the women had to really kick off, and uh, and a riot started. And apparently, in the real situation, 1913, what happened is they knew the women wouldn't be happy, so they brought in violent police from the East End to deal with them. And these police assaulted the women. Apparently, even sexually assaulted them. Uh, extraordinary. So they didn't go quite that far in the film, but they had the women fighting and kicking and the police were tackling them and pushing them about. And one of them came out of that, and I was chatting to this girl, and I said, that looked really rough in there, because I was playing one of the hated politicians. And so I said, were you okay? And she said, oh yeah, I was okay, it was well looked after, it wasn't so bad as it looked. And I said, are you filming in, in Windsor tomorrow, because we had to do a horse race scene? And uh, she said, oh, no, I'm not involved in that. And I kept her chatting for about five minutes and then somebody nudged me as she went away he said do you know who you were talking to I said wasn't she just one of the extras he said oh no that was Helen and Bolan Carter <laughs> one of the stars <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> once again she was utterly delightful and I'm just so pleased I stopped myself saying you know what extra agents are you with <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just, yeah she was that, that. brilliant
1: she's in The Crown as well isn't she yes she's, uh, oh, Princess she's in everything. Margaret oh, Margaret that's uh, right yeah she's a fantastic actress
2: yeah yeah brilliant
0: it's nice that she's so down to earth yeah
2: yeah
0: well you've provided us with lots of links and photos (laughs) that we were going to put up on Facebook oh okay yeah so that our listeners can actually see what you do oh yeah it's been a pleasure to talk to you and uh, we've got a really good insight into the world of being an extra yeah I found it fascinating thank you
1: oh
2: it's been great talking to you too I've probably forgotten about a whole load of bits and pieces but I don't want to bore you for too long (laughs) long. (laughs) thank you very much
1: Thank you for listening to Sounding Out Horsham. If you have feedback on this episode or would like to suggest future topics for us to cover or people for us to speak to, you can reach us on social media via Twitter at sohorsham or Facebook, just search for Sounding Out Horsham. Or you can email us at sohorsham at gmail.com.
0: That's the letters sohorsham at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed listening and want to support what we do, we'd also love to get a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And make sure you're following us so you don't miss our next episode.